Hi there, I'm Anne-Marie McQueen, editor of Live Healthy, and this is the Live Healthy podcast. Each week we interview health and wellness leaders and talk about all the things that are good for you, which you can also read about in our online magazine, the only one of its kind for men and women in the UAE. And now, here's this week's guest. Hi, Christine. Thanks for joining us. Hi, good morning, and thank you for having me. I'm so interested to speak to you. Uh, I don't have kids of my own, but I have a niece and nephew, and I'm super interested in them and um, and their wellness. And I've, it's always hard for me to interview about things with kids because it's just not my area, but I just spent like three weeks with them. So I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm so much more... I guess maybe even intrigued and interested in this topic than, you know, normally yeah. I'm intrigued in every topic, but parenting ones are a little bit hard for me because it's not, I'm not around it all the time. I usually crowdsource with my friends and say, what am, what should I ask this expert? <laughs> well, <laughs> and they have a million questions. <laughs> the thing about parenting is that you're kind of expected to be all things at once, you know, um, and you probably saw that if you're around children recently. Um, of course, it depends on the age of the child, but as parents, more and more, we have a requirement to really help to meet the needs of our children since they've had such a tumultuous time, especially during COVID and mm -hmm. lockdown and all of the norms were taken away. And that's mm -hmm. hard for children to understand. It's hard for them to know why they can't see their friends or they, they can't be with their loved ones, uh, their grandparents or whoever it might be. And so in addition to just trying to help our children to understand themselves, we have to help them understand the world around us and their env the environment in which they're living in. So mm -hmm. from our point of view at Junior Genius Global, we found ourselves being asked time and time again by parents when, when our, our international school closed during COVID, we had parents calling us all the time, what can I do? What can I do with my kids? I've never had my children at home for all day, eight hours a day. <laughs> do I do? How do I keep them entertained? And so, you know, we got together with uh, my business partner and my niece, Andrea Jeb, who is the founder of Junior Genius in Ireland, and, uh, and Emer, who's her dear friend uh, for many, many years, who lives in Dubai and has worked in early childhood education for a long time. And, um, and the three of us just sat and collaborated and talked about it over the phone. What can we do? We were putting out packages for parents anyway. And we thought, you know, parents need this with or without a pandemic. Parents really need to know some of the very basics because as you know, as often lamented, children don't come with a training manual. So what are you supposed to do? And we thought, let's, let's help parents understand a little bit better. So we put together the collection, the home wellness collection, um, you know, with the idea that we would help to support families whether they had a nanny or didn't have a nanny. But in Dubai, because so many families did have nannies, we thought that's where we would launch the program. Uh, we understood that most of the families are expats, of course. And as an expat myself, uh, living in the US and not having any family around me, I knew the importance of friendships, uh, the importance of having support there. So we came up with the collection 
to, based on the six pillars of wellness and the six pillars of wellness as determined by the Global Wellness Institute, of which I'm a member and I chair the Wellness for Children initiative. So we had a lot of science behind this. It wasn't just, well, this sounds nice and we should do that. We had the evidence, we had the science behind. There was a mental wellness initiative. There's a breathwork initiative, of course, and there's the Wellness for Children. So we, we used um, all of the science we had around those various initiatives and put together what we felt was a very robust program for families. And we decided that translation might be necessary for Dubai because of uh, nannies, of course, coming not always having language or English as a first language. So we translated it into Tagalog and put together an online education program so that parents could be comfortable that their nannies really knew what they were doing. And, mm -hmm. you know, I understand that there's a, uh, I suppose, already in the, in the UAE, that nannies, housekeepers, um, landscapers, everybody sort of hired in that same vein and not a real understanding that actually the person who's going to spend eight hours or more with your child every day needs to be elevated to a different level of just this is the hired help or this is somebody who you know helps me fold my laundry when I'm not taking the kids somewhere this is somebody who's really going to influence the well-being of your child because they're with them probably longer than some parents are quite frankly yeah. So we really thought the nannies needed support. How some of them may have children, but perhaps some of them don't. And they're coming from a different environment than they're gonna live in in Dubai. And maybe the parents and the nannies need to agree, what does it look like to have wellness in our home? What does it look like when we invite wellness activities to be part of our everyday life? And by that, I just mean taking 10 minutes in the morning maybe to calm the child or to set the, to set the expectation of the day, you know, um, and, and one of the things we do know about working with children is children need routine more than ever. And one of the reasons why children struggled so much during the pandemic was because they had no routine. They weren't getting up and getting dressed, brushing their teeth, putting on their clothes and going out to school or going to meet their friends. They were just at home. So we thought, let's do something that allows them to track. So we put together an entire uh, program that allows them to track what are they doing. It's a family wellness planner. And they okay. can decide amongst the family, what activities will we do today that really help our wellness? Um, and even if it's just going out to the garden, going out for a walk, going for a swim, as long as there's some kind of activity happening on a regular basis, we know that this can really help the children. So we, we put in there the six pillars of wellness as determined by the GWI would be physical, mental, spiritual, emotional, social, and environmental. And what we really wanted to do was make sure that we had something in there that really targeted each of those areas of growth and development for the children. It's important that they're comfortable in their, their, their environment, but it's also important that they learn a little bit about the environment, this planet that we're living on and help them to understand why it's important to know about sustainability, about water, about how things grow, about where food comes from, for instance. You know, it doesn't come from a delivery that arrives at your door at four o'clock in the day and they're, they're, they're sort of 
disassociated from food. How do we connect the children to food so that they, we don't see younger adults with eating disorders or with um, disassociative disorders just because they're not connected to the environment, to the planet, to food, and so on. So we wanted to put in some easy recipes in there too. Um, we wanted the nannies that, to make it easy for them. So we looked at food, we looked at sleep, we looked at movement, we looked at breath work, and we created what I think is a really comprehensive home wellness collection. Sounds amazing. And what was the reaction from uh, parents and from nannies, if you got it? So the parents were very interested in it. I mean, we've had a couple of uh, launches in, in UAE, in Dubai. We've had some very nice breakfasts and some lunch events. We actually also had some um, opportunities to be at the hospital to, to look at families uh, with children at the hospital. So we could see, we can bring wellness anywhere. That's one of the, that's our message really. Wellness can be anywhere at any time. And it doesn't just have to be for someone who has a Peloton and is down at, you know, in their, or at their gym. You know, wellness can be for everybody. And that, that was our, that's our, our core message. Um, the reaction was, I would say, intrigue for sure. And for the nannies, they were eager to learn more because nobody had ever thought to teach the nannies before, <laughs> really. Yeah. I mean, I know there are some agencies that go through a, you know, a, a, a process of hiring, but it's not really a learning as such. And because, again, we were fortunate enough to have all of the evidence behind us with the with the global wellness institute we felt that this was a certificate you know this was not just okay we're going to show you how to do this this really was a learning that was worthy of being certified uh in, in early childhood education or certainly in, in with your uh, time spent with children how we could enhance that by introducing these small routines on a daily basis and then seeing how they really impact the child. So they are sleeping better. They are eating better. They are maybe connecting better with their friends. You know, sometimes we take it for granted that you can be social and make friends, but there are a lot of children that don't make friends and don't know how to be social. And especially after lockdown and the restrictions that were upon us during that time. So trying to reintegrate children into the concept of friendships and gatherings and getting together and even the, the notion of sharing. <laughs> Some children are not very good at sharing because they don't have to, because they have whatever they want. So if we, if we can teach them life skills from the very beginning, we know that that really matters. And what do you think in terms of mental health? I mean, in the damage from COVID and where we're at now and recovering, like what's your perspective being over there, but also involved in the UAE. Yeah, involved in Ireland and the UK and um, all over, actually. I was just in Qatar recently at a wonderful resort. It was a family resort. Um, I think all parents are struggling that their children's routines were, were you know, thrown out of uh, whack, so to speak. We know that sleep is still a difficulty for some parents, just trying to get their children into a routine of sleep. Um, we have we definitely see some more uh, issues with devices with technology the children got so used to having access to the TV or their iPads or their laptops uh, their phones we're definitely seeing that with the children that 
there there is a struggle and if we don't if we don't deal with it or if we don't at least recognize that there is a problem i believe the numbers are one in five children in the uae have been diagnosed with some form of mental uh, challenge so we have to see as parents how do we support that what does it look like and as i said some of the very basics are just routine when you've taken away the routine for the child we now have to re-establish a routine and sometimes in the beginning it's hard and you might get some pushback from the child that's normal that's very normal and sometimes children just don't transition well and then if you add another layer of complexity such as a child with a learning difference whether it's ADD or auditory processing deficit or whatever on the spectrum it, it doesn't really matter we have to meet the children where they're at and if we don't have time for that we can never really have the impact we'd like to have and so having simple tools like the breathwork cards and they're they're really joyful and and i just love these but the breath cards just allow the child to take a minute because some of them would just take a minute the power breath and you start to empower the children to take ownership of how they're feeling to be able to discuss their emotions to give them the tools and the words to use you know, are you sad? Are you angry? Are you frustrated? Are you tired? Are you hungry? Like, there's always a reason why a child's having a tantrum, even though we might not think that in the moment, you're just like, oh my God, I just wish they would stop. Um, if we take a minute and take a breath ourselves and then say, okay, so my child's thrown themselves on the floor in the middle of the mall. Why is this happening? Mm -hmm. And we take a minute to understand and walk back to how they got to that place. Maybe, you know, it could be anything as simple as they are tired. They're, maybe they're a little hungry. Maybe they're thirsty. Maybe it's hot. Maybe they just don't want to be there. They don't want to be around people. There's, we have to really understand what's going on with the children. And we felt that, again, spending time with the nannies and going through the pillars of wellness with the nannies so that they understand how to diffuse a situation or de-escalate a problem. Because sometimes, again, they don't always have the tools and we feel we've given them that. And you're, a, you know, you've trained in mind, body um, and energy medicine. So that that is something you think of adults doing, right? Like it almost feels a bit strange to think of kids doing it. But I was doing Wim, Wim Hof breathing with my niece and nephew when I was at home. And we, they already were curious about ice baths. So we were sticking our faces in ice water. Oh. In <laughs> I know Wim Hof would be very happy. I met him actually. And did. I did. He was, uh, he's a wonderful man. He was at the Global Wellness Summit. Uh, we had one of our, uh, you know, we hosted every year. Um, at a different location but anyway i have the pleasure of meeting him but he has uh, grandchildren too so he's very interested in how children behave around See, they wanted to do the full ice bath but i said i don't know like i i'll next time and I, I might have to bring in an expert for this you know i think, <laughs> I think uh it was great to start them and have them interested in it yeah. i know um i because cold is not my thing either but i know it's very good for us and the yeah. breath work is remarkable uh, when we were guided through one of his breathing sessions, the, the sense of euphoria you have afterwards when you've got all that new oxygenated blood in your brain is really phenomenal. Um, but I think, you know, to start, put your hands in, then maybe put your feet in, maybe put an arm in and slowly build up to it because not everybody can plunge into ice cold water. No, and not everyone needs to come on. But I, I mean, like the idea that you can use your very own breath 
Yeah. To, you know, because what do you say when a kid's really freaking out or anyone? You're like, breathe, just breathe. Yeah. You lose exactly. that ability to breathe. Yeah. So, yeah. how what do you. What if you made it fun though? And it's not just a breath. Like, how about you do your snake breath? Like, okay. Or how about you do your. Like, you, you figure out a way that makes it entertaining to the child because the word breath, of course, for us is fine. Take a breath. We know what that means. But if you make it fun for the child, they're much more likely to engage in that. And, um, you know, the same, we, there's other activities we have in there in addition to their breath work that helps to enhance that. And that's their yoga. So again, for, we've got um, dino yoga. So it's yoga based on dinosaurs and poses that relate to it. So the Tyrannosaurus twist or the Brontosaurus bend, but, but just making yoga fun, you know? And when we put it together, we really were thinking about the formative years. So it's for early childhood. So up to five, some of the activities are good for up to eight-year-olds. But getting the children outside, getting them used to moving their bodies in some way every day, because we know sedentary children tend to have more health concerns as they get older with everything from diabetes to, um, well, heart disease, but also obesity. And obesity is a problem the world over for children. And so we really have to think about what we do in the formative years impacts what happens for the rest of their lives. And we know that the first three years of life is when a child will learn the most from, for their whole lives. They learn more in the first three years of life. And when you look at it that way, you think, oh, my goodness, we have an awful lot of work to do here because, you know, sometimes the children are not, again, around other children. They're at home with a nanny. And what they learn in those first three years are critical to their lifelong health. And so, for again, for us, we just thought the very basics, we need to learn positive touch. What does that look like? We put in a massage routine, how to massage a baby how to massage their little feet, their little hands, their faces, their tummies, if they have an upset tummy. And you just think again, the basics, when, if we, when we were little, if you fell down and hurt yourself and your mommy would put you on her knee and she'd rub your back maybe for you or stroke your head and kiss your forehead and ask how you were doing. And all of those things make us feel better. So if we know that, we should make that part of every day. Mm -hmm. So I'm interested in um, the concept of routine because routine is, it's a very, there's a lot of cultural differences when it comes to the concept of routine, right? Like, I mean, there's an, I guess, an ideal routine in the West and then there's over here, a lot of families, there's, a, it's a lot later, bedtime is later. Sure. How do you sort of deal with those, those differences and find a balance to advise on what routine is best? That's a great question. I think the routine is really set by the basic functions of the, of the body, not the basic functions of the family. It really should be about, so when the child eats, so when they're hungry, you can figure that out time-wise. Are they hungrier at four? Do they like to eat earlier? Do they like to eat at 6 p.m.? So we can figure those things out fairly early on. But routine should be set around the basics of eating and sleeping and getting some kind of exercise and having some kind of um, agreement as to how much technology a child is allowed to have. And then the routine is formed around that. Do they like to exercise? Or do, when I say exercise, I mean getting some kind of movement. Do they like to go out for a walk after they've had playtime? Do they prefer to do playtime later on in the day after they've had a nap? You find the routine and, and the rhythm of the child. It is really a rhythm. It's, of course, our cycles are very similar from that point of view. 
in terms of eating, sleeping, drinking, and activities that we want to engage in. So um, I agree, of course, it's going to be different in different parts of the world, but the child's basic functions will not change. So we, it's, it's not too difficult to find a routine there. The other thing I notice a lot, uh, and maybe because I'm outside of it, but when it comes to technology, everyone's talking about screen time with kids and limiting screen time and how to do it. But parents are on their phones like nonstop at home. Like, I don't know that you can really tell your kid not to be on their screen when you're look, got your phone in your hand. I mean, you just have to walk around. It's like, how do you get around that? Should there be family like get rid of your phone times, you know? Absolutely, or... I think that's a great idea. And it's something that we see being used more and more here um, at mealtime. Sometimes it's just a little basket on the table. Everybody's phones go in the basket and you can't look at your phone while you're having dinner or while you're breakfast. It doesn't matter what meal it is, but the point is to identify that we need to look at each other. That's one of the things we're struggling with. And again, from a mental health perspective, this ability to disassociate from society happens because you're not engaged. Mm -hmm. and, and, and we know that there's a, you know, there's a reaction to our brain when we look at someone, actually look at them. Uh, it takes 15 seconds for endorphins to release when we look at someone. And we know that's usually a happy thing if it's someone you're happy to see. But again, because we're trying to refine re a balance after COVID, we should be doing it more and more. Um, and of course, fear is part of what our life now, you know, um, mm -hmm. if you're standing too close to someone, am I going to get a, you know, am I going to get COVID or a cough or a flu or a virus? So our children are anxious about those things too, because they saw what happened and through no, no fault of their own, their whole lives were changed and, and they had no say in the matter. So one of the things that's helpful from a mental health perspective is to really empower our children to have a say in what's happening with them. And so having a family planner and having options to say, okay, what is it you'd like to do today? Do you want to go swimming? Do you want to see a friend? Are we going for a walk to the park? Uh, you know, let's pick, a, let's pack a picnic. What would you like to do? And you give the child an opportunity to make a decision about their day. And that really helps the children to start to feel like this is not just forced on me, I have an option here. Particularly those that are a little bit older and that really understand what's happening. Um, you know, as I said, the breath work, let's take five minutes to do our breath work. Let's go outside and do our dino yoga. We also have some really good books that talk about resilience and positivity and how to turn a negative experience into something positive, what's the lesson? So these books were written by Andrea and she's the mother of four little boys. Wow. Um, uh, she's got nine-year-old twins and she's got a five-year-old and now a new baby boy, Lucas, that we were very happy to welcome. Um, but my point is she, she's got all those ages to understand in addition to the 400 children at her school. So she has plenty of experience. So when she wrote these books, it really was heartfelt because these were challenges that she faced herself with her own children. So in writing these books, uh, they're very informative, but they're very practical and useful too. Um, I wanna talk a little bit, cause I know you talk about the importance of preconception health in the first thousand days. Oh yeah. In, yeah, that's really interesting to me and like preconception, it's not just, it's not, you know, people think it's breastfeeding. It's like, it's the birth, it's preconception, like what's going on and we know, Science is showing that the um, 
health of the, it's not just the health of the mother, but even the genetic makeup of the mother can impact the way a child is born, right? Like, like you can have a predisposition to weight gain depending on the food that the mother ate, depending on what, how the mother ate before right. the child was conceived. This is crazy. So yeah. Could you just talk a little bit about that for people who I are- can. And we're talking about the mother, but actually it's the father that has an awful lot to say with what happens with the genetic makeup of this child. And so it's actually 90 days prior to um, conception. It's that's where the preconception timelines really matter. So 90 days prior to the partner's genetic material becoming your baby really matters. So what they're eating, what they're drinking, particularly if alcohol or smoking are part of a daily, daily habit, that's something that really impacts the quality of the sperm and of course the quality of the egg. So when there's a meeting of this genetic material, if, you're, if you've got good material, it's terrific. It's a little bit like when you go to plant your garden and you go to buy new soil. You know, it, if you're really preparing this space where this new little human being is going to grow and develop, you wanna make sure that you really get rid of all the weeds and whatever stuff is in the way and clear the way for a nice garden. In this case, we're clearing the way and getting ready for a little human being. But yes, there's lots of lots of evidence to, to suggest that the 90-day period is really critical from a male perspective. It's 14 days because of the cycle of the female. But generally speaking, if the couple commit to a 90-day, um, it doesn't have to be called a detox, but a 90-day commitment to living a well life, and that is removing alcohol, removing cigarettes or vapes or anything of that nature and then exercising that really helps um and and eating wisely you know try cutting down on the junk and, and eating plant food um and now you mentioned earlier living with fear and i think that's something that post-covid like it hasn't really stopped the feeling of of fear you know because it's like the feeling of what is going to be the next thing, what is going to be like, I think that's, we're all dealing with that a little bit. So when parents are feeling fear and children are feeling fear, what's your advice for sort of having to mitigate that feeling in both of them or help them just navigate? <laughs> well, the first thing to do is really identify it. Like what are, because yeah. a child won't say I I'm fearful. A child mm. might act out. You know, and you're like, why is why is she just not listening to me today? Or why is and it may be that a trigger has happened, you know, they've seen something and it reminds them of when they had no choice but to be at home and lockdown was happening and, and they were caught. So uh, or caught in a situation that they that they weren't happy to be in. Um, so the, the fear part is really about identifying the fear and then discussing it so that we give it a voice and then it can be. Uh, expressed and then released you know the thing about fear of course is we don't want to hold on to it we want to release fear and actually that's covered in the, one of the books that Andrea has too because in the in the character gets lost in the woods and is fearful and we talk about what it means to be resilient and how you can get through that um, and it's helpful so yeah we have just these are these are some of the books and they're beautifully illustrated and they really are special, but um, the messaging in them is very important because it, it talks about gratitude, it talks about resilience, and it talks about turning a fearful situation into something that is positive, where they find each other, let's say, the boy that was lost 
and that's a fearful thing. And if we relate a story like that, again, there's a caregiver's guide for the parents. So it's not just here's the book, it's like here's the message and how to use that um, in cases of fear or anxiety. Some children are just anxious about things now. And again, if we walk it back a little bit and find out, give them the opportunity to say how they're feeling. Mm -hmm. um, and then you can go from there. I really get this sense that you're getting on this thing where, yeah, physical health, you have to do that every day. You have to take care of your physical health and mental health. You have to do that as well. It's not something that Absolutely. you, it's a yeah. practice. It's, it's something that has to be really considered as important. And we can't, you know, our all kinds of minds. We know that children learn differently. We know that I myself have a neurodiverse son. Um, he's a 25 year old man now, but you know, COVID impacted him too. Um, and I was living away from home without support either. So mm -hmm. I, I know exactly what that feels like. It's, it's not that I feel I have all the answers, but I, I'm a mother too. And I went through these challenges myself and I'd like to share, well, this is what really worked for me. Um, and so, you know, I think identifying, giving them space to identify how they're really feeling and then move, you know, make that the beginning of the day. So the child feels heard um, and then you can address the issue. But if we, if we keep suppressing it, no, no, you're fine. Don't be silly. Just eat your breakfast and let's just move on now. We're going out with friends and that's it. Maybe the, the family, the parent, the, the moms like each other, but maybe the kids don't. But the moms are having lunch anyway. The kids are thrown in with each other. And perhaps that's not a fun thing for the child. So if we can at least connect with them and ask them why or how, I think it's a good starting point. That's great. Okay, can you tell us where people can access your resources and find out more? Yes, yeah, so online, Junior Genius Global um, is online. And Emer Sproul is our representative and dear friend in UAE. She's there in Dubai. Um, and I think um, that you, you may have all of the contact information for Emer there. But um, yeah, uh, I think Junior Genius Global is available online and we might even have a, a special code for anybody who listened in today and learned a little about it that can get a discount on this. But we think it's really fitting for the life that we're living these days and the uncertainty. And this helps you to help your child to have a really a better day. And then by default, the parent has a better day <laughs> if their child is happy. <laughs> right <laughs> it's like that happy wife happy life well this yeah. is happy child <laughs> not so wild <laughs> happy child not so wild i love it thank you so much christine for speaking to us all right thank you Emery. i really enjoyed our conversation thank you that's it for this week if you liked the podcast make sure to subscribe rate and review We'll see you next time on the Live Healthy Podcast.